The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Welcome back inside the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Once again, I am the namesake. Happy to have you with us. This is a podcast about what else? High school football in West Virginia and Ohio, the Mid-Ohio Valley area specifically. Like us on Facebook at the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Subscribe on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Rate us and review us on Apple, please, if you haven't already done so. This is Season 4, Episode 7 already. We'll take a look at some people who have done work in the early part of this season. Plus, Taryn Malone and I will have our Games of the Week. We'll tell you what's coming up on Seven Ranges Radio, and we'll run down what happened last week. And let's start there, because it was a bounce-back week for a lot of teams and a positive week for a lot of teams in this area. St. Mary's picked up a big rebound win, and they're a team that really needed it. They lost 6 to nothing against Roan County in their opener. They got stuffed inside the five-yard line twice. An offense that looked very inept in Week 1 looked a good deal better in Week 2 as St. Mary's picked up a much-needed rebound win against Ravenswood. The running game came up big in the second half with three touchdowns in the half to put the game away. And some redemption for Cody Hauser with two scores. Hauser's fumble inside the five-yard line last week came in the fourth quarter, and so you had to feel like he probably wanted to go out there and redeem himself this week, and he did so, carrying it in for two touchdowns. So for Hauser, if he wants to prove that he needs to stay in that running back position because he's converted to running back this year from offensive lineman, if he wants to prove that he belongs there, that was the kind of game that he needed. But an underrated story with the St. Mary's team so far might be this defense. This defense pitched a shutout in the second half. St. Mary's won the turnover battle 2-1, to one, and they also outgained Ravenswood 314 to 140. They held Ravenswood to 55 rushing yards and around 80 passing yards, so good stuff for the St. Mary's Blue Devil defense. And if you can play good defense, and if you can score just enough and grind out games like they ground out this one, they won it largely in the second half by playing shutdown defense and wearing people out with a running game, you could win six or seven games in Class A, and I'm not saying they've got an easy schedule, and I'm not saying they've got a schedule that's necessarily got six or seven wins on it, but if you can follow that formula for success, play shutdown defense, run the ball well, and get it into the end zone, take advantage of your opportunities when you need to, and win the turnover battle, hey, you're going to win games at just about any level, but especially in Class A, even when you might not have the talent you've had in past years, that can get it done. So if they can win close games like this, and win maybe five more like it, then they've got a really good shot to not only get into the playoffs, but maybe even to make some noise when they get there. I think St. Mary's proved a lot, not just by winning this week, but the way they won by shutting down Ravenswood in the second half. Williamstown also quieted a lot of naysayers. They picked up a big win over Warren on Saturday. They made the adjustment to playing on Saturday the week of the game. Warren had some COVID issues out there, so that game got moved to Saturday somewhere midweek, and Williamstown did not let that bother them. They scored the game's final 34 points after Warren struck first, and all 34 of Williamstown's points came on rushing scores. Three touchdowns for Max Melissa. He ran for 154 yards on 22 carries. Trevor Oates and Ricky Joy also got into the end zone for the Yellow Jackets. But again for Williamstown, the recipe was stifling defense and running the football. Like we said, all five of their scores came on the ground. Three of them were the quarterback Max Melissa. 
and Warren was held to just 159 total yards of offense and only 15 rushing yards on 22 attempts. So Warren at least tried to get something going on the ground, not able to do it. Williamstown shut down the Warren Warriors. So there you have two teams in St. Mary's and Williamstown that are doing essentially the same thing or that did essentially the same thing in their second games of the season. They ran the ball when they needed to and did what they needed to on the ground, and then they shut the other team down defensively. Seems like a simple recipe, but so many teams can't do it. Marietta got its first win of the season, an overtime win over Athens. They won 36-28 on five Zach Bartlett touchdown runs. I know the Tigers have worked hard. They're really trying to turn that program in the right direction, build up some wins. There's a lot of enthusiasm over there as they're going to the OVAC, a brand new conference, going to be playing some new teams in all sports, and it should be a much more competitive conference and a conference in which they fit in culturally as well. Schools of similar size from similar towns, so I really think that move to the OVAC is going to give this program a shot in the arm, but they go to 1-2 and two with an overtime win against Athens last week. Tyler Consolidated was held to just 116 total yards of offense and a 27-16 loss to Doddridge County. All 306 Doddridge County yards came on the ground. That's not a team that in their heyday threw the ball, but in recent years, they've thrown the ball a little bit better. What I mean by their heyday is very early on when Hunter America was dominating things a few years ago. They diversified their offense in the last couple years to throw the ball a little bit more. Nothing there last week. All 306 yards on the ground for Doddridge County. An impressive two for Tyler Consolidated to score 16 points when you're only held to 116 yards of offense, but still they lost that game by just 11 points. They hung in there with Doddridge County, so even though Tyler Consolidated comes in at 0-2, they come in with losses against Ritchie County and Doddridge County, and they battled in those games. They were only down by one score at the half against Ritchie County before the Rebels came out and put things into third gear in the second half, and now you're facing Doddridge, a team that's maybe better than some people expected them to be, at least a little bit more run-oriented than they have been in the past, and now you hang in there with them as well. So I know it's not all moral victories, and at some point, Tyler's got a breakthrough in the win column, but they're not playing bad football out there. That's a team to keep an eye on down the road. Here's another team that's playing good football right now. How about the Frontier Cougars? They're 3-0 after the 33-0 win over Southern. They got two pick sixes from Lucas Cox. They call him Lukey Cox. If you talk to Russ Morris, the head coach of the Cougars, he'll refer to him as Lukey Cox. Lukey Cox got two pick sixes. He also ran for a score and caught a touchdown. Not a bad day for Cox. This is the second straight shutout for their Frontier defense as well, and they have managed now in three games this season to outscore their opponents a combined 101-20. to Only Bridgeport in Week 1 managed to score on them. Bridgeport, Ohio, that was a 33-20 to win for Frontier in that one, but they shut out Peyton City, and then they shut out Southern. So a big game for Lucas Cox, defensively and offensively, and that Cougars team goes to 3-0 and with a really tough test against 2-0 and Cameron coming up. We'll have more on that game later. A big win for Payton City. Speaking of them, the Wildcats went on the road to Hancock, Maryland, and they beat Hancock 58 to nothing. And I know that it's Payton City, and, and they're not going to contend for the playoffs. They don't really make any allusions to that. They want to finish the season with the players they've got, but this has to be a huge shot in the arm for Payton City. They were only able to play two games last year before COVID shut down the season because of loan numbers that were in part induced by the pandemic. This year, the numbers are a lot better, and they've had a couple off-field injuries to boot, so 
things haven't gone as well as they've needed to for Peyton City. They couldn't finish the third quarter last week. They stopped the game against Frontier early in the third quarter because they were down to just nine healthy players. They got healthy, they bounced back, and they got a big win on the road at Hancock, Maryland. So I have to think for Peyton City, that was about as joyous a bus ride back as you're going to get. And they will host Montcalm tonight. That's another school that is of similar size and is of similar skill level to Peyton City. Robert Price, the head coach there and the athletic director, has built that schedule to where they can win some football games there uh, if they can keep healthy bodies on the field. And I think if you attend Peyton City High School and you're a healthy body and you want to play football, just go to Coach Price and you can probably jump on any time, get your 14 practices in, and off you go. You're playing as soon as they can use you. They will probably take you midstream. So if you're listening to this and you live in Peyton City and, and have a student athlete in that system that's not playing football, you can probably go join something because this team, if they stay healthy and they stay on the field, they have a schedule that can win them some games. Three and seven. Four and six is not out of the realm for this team, especially if they start to believe in themselves and buy in. Let's go to the big school ranks briefly. Parkersburg South let one get away late. A 62-33 loss. A game that got ugly late because that was only a nine-point game at the half. University scored on a kickoff return for touchdown. There was a defensive score in there as well that allowed things to get out of hand in a hurry for Parkersburg South. And remember, South was playing for the second time in the same calendar week. They played on Monday of last week, picking up the win against Capital, and then turning around and playing on Friday and going on the road to do so. Again, that's a game they let get away late. The University probably was the better team in that one, but I don't know that University was 29 points better than Parkersburg South. So this score is not really going to indicate really where either of these teams are. I mean, unless maybe it's University you're talking about because they scored 55 against John Marshall in Week 1 and now 62 against South. So that University team is a team that's going to get some attention statewide if they haven't already. But South is, is not a team that's going to give up 62 just any day. That is the outlier, and the outlier is the 29-point difference. That's just not something that you're going to have on Parkersburg South a lot. There are not going to be too many teams that beat that Patriots squad by 29, at least not many teams on this year's schedule. PHS also had one getaway late. They were down 9 to the half and then shut out in the second half by Spring Valley. So now PHS comes in at 0-2, and they're going to face a capital team this week that is also 0-2 after losses to South and South Charleston. They played well in both games, lost by 1 against South, and then played well against the South Charleston team that is a rival and the defending class AAA state champions. So they're going to be hungry for a win. PHS going to be hungry for a win. Not going to be an easy win on Friday at Stadium Field. And oh, by the way, PHS will host Parkersburg South next week. So there's a real, real chance that through four games, PHS can be 0-4. There's also a real chance they go to 2-2. That is a huge shift on the pendulum. PHS looking to figure things out. They were able to get Bryson Singer going in the past game, but not as the guy throwing the ball, as the guy receiving the ball. David Roberts settled in at quarterback. Singer got some run at quarterback, was 0-4 throwing the football, but five catches for Singer. Didn't really make a negligible dent in the running game, but if they can use him to replace Carter King in the receiving game and David Parsons be the guy that facilitates that offense, they might have something at PHS. We'll see where they go with it as they take on a very good capital team and one of the better quarterbacks PHS will face this year in Ja'Kai Long. Ward County adds insurance in the second half. They were only up 15-14 to 14 to the half. They scored 12 points and came away with a 27-14 to 
14 win over Magnolia. Give credit to Magnolia. They beat Ravenswood in week one. They hung in there with Wart County. It's a Wart County team that was hosting, for one, and they're a playoff team from last year. Jason Hickman is building things back up. He had a good run, then left that job for a while, and now is back in a second stint. They are building things back in the right direction, and so is Dave Chapman. He's got a senior-laden group as well. I think this is the game that tells us a lot about where these schools are. Wart County is a contender in the bottom half of the Class A playoff field. I'm not sure that they're in the top eight quite yet in Class A, but they're going to make some noise. Magnolia is a team that's got a real shot to go to the playoffs, and I think this game might prove to them more than anything that they can play with anybody they want to, and they can play with an evenly matched team. They just need to finish four quarters. And River moves to 2-1 and one with a win over Monroe Central, so the Pilots bounce back from that loss against Bel Air in the opener, and they pick up back-to-back wins to go to 2-1. and one. Stay connected with us on Facebook. Like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. Let's go between the hash marks and take a look at the schools that did work in Week 2. Again, we just had Labor Day weekend. We're coming off of Labor Day weekend, so in the theme of Labor Day, and to quote Rihanna, I gotta work, 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 work. You see me doing work, 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 work? I can't sing it as well as she can. Taryn Malone and I made picks in three categories this week for Between the Hash Marks. The categories are team that put in the most work since last week, team that still has work to do, and the team that most deserved to take a long holiday weekend break. I'll give mine, then Taryn will give his picks. First, the team that put in the most work since last week, I'm going to give this to St. Mary's because that was a team that just didn't have the answers on offense. The defense created two takeaways in their game against Roan County and looked really good in doing so, but the offense just needed to do a little bit more, and they win that game. They were stuffed twice inside the five-yard line, including once in the fourth quarter, a painful loss to a Roan County team that they're probably going to look back on later in the year and realize they should have defeated. A 6 nothing loss is just a bitter pill to swallow, especially when you do it at home. They got the running game going in the second half. That defense clicked with it, shutting down Ravenswood in the second half. And as I said earlier, if they follow that recipe this year, St. Mary's can win some football games and do some damage. Honorable mention, how about Marietta cleaning up the running game? Five touchdown runs from Zach Bartlett, and that's a big shot in the arm for that program to go out and get a win in overtime against Athens. They played a close game down to the wire. They won it in OT. So I'm going to go St. Mary's as my team that put in the most work since last week with Marietta getting an honorable mention nod. The team that still has the most work to do, I'm going to say PHS. They're figuring it out. They're getting there. And I think a real, real big cog in this is going to be taking Bryson Singer out of quarterback and putting David Parsons in. And I had this conversation off the air with my color analyst, Bill Marshall at V96.9. Actually, we were taping Countdown to Kickoff for this week. In college football, in the pros, and really even in, let's say, Texas high school football, like the whole QB1, QB2 thing, there is such a stigma associated with taking somebody out of the quarterback spot and putting them somewhere else. It looks like a demotion is what I mean by that. But as Bill Marshall and I were talking about, I really think in West Virginia, the way we play in West Virginia, you see it at the small school level, but you also see it at the big school level. It's not uncommon to see players taken out of that quarterback spot and turned into a running back, turned into a slot receiver. Teams are getting more creative and finding different ways to get the ball into the hands of their best players. It's not quite like basketball where they say it's turning into positionless basketball, but it's not far from that. You could almost rank your best athletes one through five, one through six or seven, and then figure out where to plug them in. And if it doesn't work for somebody at quarterback, maybe it works for somebody else who might not be as good of a quarterback, but as somebody that you can plug into that spot and use him there because your best option at quarterback is needed somewhere else. 
that might be what happens with Bryson Singer in this PHS offense. He's been the quarterback for the last two seasons. He's a senior now. Because Carter King went down in week one, you might need him more as a receiver. You might need him more in that tunnel screen game. You might need him more through jet sweeps in the backfield. To get him the ball as a runner, to get him the ball as a pass catcher, you can still do that. You can still put him a quarterback maybe a dozen snaps a game. And he can get a share of touches and still contribute to that offense. But Parsons might be the guy that's more in line to be the facilitator in that offense. And that might work better for them. It seemed like they're figuring that out. It seemed like they're going that way. And if they get that going, maybe they get Zadrian Snodgrass going. He's somebody that has yet to get a 100-yard game on the ground. And I think they'd like to do that for him and get him going in this offense. So I'm going to say PHS still has work to do, but put an asterisk by that because I think they're on their way. They're working and things are in motion. That program and that team this year is headed in the right direction. It's not quite there yet. They still have things to do. And the team that most deserved a long holiday weekend, how about Russ Morris's Frontier Cougars? Back-to-back shutouts for that defense at a defense that's scoring points with two pick sixes from Lucas Cox. Again, you 3-0. and That's a strong start to that season. It's a 10-game season this year in Ohio. Different from the six last year and then you go to the playoffs. So they get to play out a whole 10 games before they get to the postseason. But 3-0, and that's a good start to the season for that Frontier Cougars team. A team that's still got some tough opponents left on their schedule, including tonight, including River down the road. My honorable mention for a team that most deserved the long holiday weekend. How about Payton City? Kick your heels up, Wildcats. 58-0. I hope you kicked your heels up. I hope you got some rest. And I hope you get back after it this week against Maltcom. They deserved every bit of a break they got and every chance they got to enjoy the spoils of that victory. And I'm going to go Parkersburg South, not so much because of how they played, but because they played twice last week in varsity. That's hard to play on Monday and to not really have that full week to bounce back and then be expected to go out again on Friday against a better team than what you saw on Monday. And they saw a good team on Monday. They saw an athletic capital team, a team that's still very much a diamond in the rough, a team that's still very young with a lot of skill talent that needs fleshed out, and I think they'll get there. But University is a team that's closer to a finished product than many of the teams they'll see in the first half of their season. So to go out and face them second, even though you had a win in your pocket, that's tough. You did it on the road. You did it on short rest. And I think a little bit of the way that game got away from Parkersburg South, at least a little bit of the way that game got away from them in the second half last week, had to do with attrition and had to do with just wear and tear. So because of that, I'm going to say Parkersburg South is an honorable mention for my team that most deserve the holiday weekend, along with Peyton City. But Frontier, my pick in that category. Let's see what Taryn Malone's got. Taryn? Week number two of the high school football season in West Virginia has finally finished up, Eric. And a team that put in the most work between this past week and last week, the most improved team in my category would be the Williamstown Yellow Jackets. The Yellow Jackets earned a hard-fought victory over Warren Local last week, winning by a final score of 34-6. to This was a statement game that the Jackets needed after a disappointing 18-12 double overtime loss to Waterford, Ohio in week number one. A team that still has work to do to get to where they want to be would be Magnolia. The Blue Eagles had a golden opportunity to start out 2-0, but lost to a quality class single-A opponent in Wark County on Friday by a score of 27-14. to MHS will have to take on rival River this week and figure out a way to get a quality win. If you look at Magnolia's schedule, it's not easy, Eric. So a win this week will have Coach Chapman's squad in hopes for a playoff berth later this fall. And finally, Eric, the team that deserved a long holiday 
weekend. The most impressive team so far to this point in the Ohio Valley would have to be Frontier. The Cougars have played three straight weeks in a row, and they are sitting at 3-0. The Cougars have provided a strong resume so far, and they will play 2-0 Cameron this week and will take on Valley next week before having a bye week before they take on Shadyside. Taking a look at our local games of the week, 1-1 one one Payton City at 1-1 one one Montcalm. Last week, the Wildcats shut out Hancock, Maryland, 58 to nothing. Can Payton City High School start out 2-1 before taking on a quality Trinity Christian squad in week number four? We'll have to wait and find out there. And then finally, 3-0 Frontier at 2-0 Cameron. The Cougars are averaging 34 points a game, and they've only allowed 20 points defensively so far. Meanwhile, for Cameron, they survived a tough team in West Green, Pennsylvania, 26-20. And then last week, they shut down 100 completely, 82 to nothing. A side note here, the 100 Hornets have been outscored by two opponents in the first two weeks of the high school football season, 156 to nothing in just two straight weeks. This game between Cameron and Frontier could be helpful for a playoff resume. We move forward to our statewide games of the week, 2-0 University at 2-0 Brook. Both teams starting out with impressive wins in Class AAA so far. A win here could really boost momentum for both teams heading into week number four. In Class AA, my Friday game this week, 1-0 North Marion taking on 1-1 Fairmont Senior. Two weeks after the Huskies earned a key victory over Marion County rival East Fairmont, they take on the other Marion County rival and perennial power Fairmont Senior. The Polar Bears are coming off a 31-22 loss to Lindsley last week. A win for either team this week will help with the Class AA playoff resume. And finally, Eric, my game on Saturday for Class Single A, 2-0 Wheeling Central taking on 3-0 Bel Air, Ohio. A tough task between the Maroon Knights and the Big Reds. Both teams are undefeated and are looking to remain that way through Saturday afternoon. We'll have highlights and analysis at WVMetroNews.com. And a review from my first play-by-play game this past week between Tyler Consolidated and Todridge County. It was definitely different doing play-by-play up in the press box of Knights Stadium. Um, I actually spent hours doing prep work before this game. I really enjoyed the experience and I was very appreciative of Travis Heinzman, the student broadcaster who welcomed me into the booth. It was also his first time calling a game on the airwaves as well. We really enjoyed the atmosphere and the experience and we are looking forward to calling next week's game between Calhoun County and Tyler Consolidated. Thank you, Taryn. Glad to see you enjoyed your experience on the play-by-play side of things and glad to see you still have your hands in the other side as well, going on the field, taking pictures and covering games and writing things up in the post-game recap as well. Good luck to you and, and all the folks out there at Knights Radio as you cover the Silver Knights home games this season. I really agree with how you said that. Nobody in the mid-Ohio Valley is playing as good a football right now as Russ Morris's Frontier Cougars. That's a very solid pick and again, Williamstown is another good pick for the team that put in the most work. I almost had them on my honorable mention on that category, but I think Williamstown is a team that showed a lot last week. Let's take a look at our games of the week. As Taryn mentioned, Frontier and Cameron is a huge game. Cameron 2-0, Frontier at 3-0. Cameron is a team that a lot of people had their eye on in West Virginia coming into this year in Class A. They had a strong finish to last year, and I think people expected them to, and they have parlayed that into a big year. Though they did not defeat the toughest of competition last week, Cameron put 80 points on the scoreboard, and that's nothing to shake a stick out. That deserves some respect. That commands a little bit of respect, too. I'm going to say capital PHS, and normally you wouldn't put a matchup with two O's 
and two teams in this category, but I'm putting it in the games of the week category because I think this is going to be intense. I don't know that it's a must win for either team because now five and five and even four and six gets you into the playoffs as long as you pick off somebody in class AAA. But I really feel like there's going to be almost a playoff feel to this game, or at least there should be from an intensity standpoint. These teams need to have this, maybe not as a must-win to avoid missing the playoffs, but they need it as a must-win to avoid things that could allow them to miss the playoffs. Like, if they don't get this win as a fire break right now, then I think things could spiral out of control for either one of these teams. And then as Taryn already pointed out as well, River and Magnolia. River comes in at 2-1. and one. Magnolia comes in at 1-1. One one. River's going to be favored in this game because they've won two straight and they've got a lot of talent coming back, but don't sleep on Magnolia, and especially those seniors. Remember, Magnolia is a team that hosted a 4 and Frontier squad last year and upset Russ Morris's Cougars. They can go big game hunting with the best of them and this is the same core group coming back this year that did that last year and if that backfield that Dave Chapman's got can get it going, watch out. River is going to be in for a long night if that happens. So Frontier Cameron, Capital PHS, and River Magnolia, those are my games of the week in the area. Here on Seven Rangers Radio, we've got these games for you on Light Rock 93R. We'll see Ritchie County for the first time this year as the 1-0 Rebels take on Wahama. Ritchie County on a bye week last week. They'll play this week. St. Mary's on a bye week this week. Those two schools will meet up next week. Ritchie County uh, getting on Light Rock 93R two weeks in a row as a result. So Ritchie County and Wahama. WVAM has that Capital PHS game. And then when we haven't really talked about. V96-9 has Parkersburg South and Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow was Parkersburg South's only win last year and they slung the ball around pretty well but they also faced a quarterback in Maddox McMillan that slung the ball around pretty well and South struggled against a good passing quarterback in universities. Chase Edwards, Ja'Kai Long of Capital and used his legs to get ground in the opener against Parkersburg South and that's largely because South covered his receivers well. There were openings and there were size mismatches in the university game. They were able to cover well against Capital. So which game do we get from the South defensive backs this week? Woodrow Wilson's not a team that's traditionally run the ball very well, so they're going to be looking to throw, and they're going to be looking at that senior quarterback, Maddox McMillan. And again, it's going to be an important test for South, but one that they could pass, and going to 2-1, and one, going into the game against PHS next week, would be a huge boost of momentum for this Parkersburg South squad. Again, if you haven't already liked the podcast on Facebook, like us at the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Also, download us each Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. Subscribe there, rate us, and review us on Apple Podcasts. Hey, next week we have some colossal matchups in this area. PHS South, back to midseason. That's now a Week 4 game. And I know a lot of you are asking, why is that a Week 4 game? Well, they've set up Rivalry Week at Parkersburg High School and Parkersburg South, and I like this because if you get that football matchup early in the season, every other varsity sport is in action. You've got golf, you've got volleyball, you've got soccer, you've got cross country with a dual meet before that PHS South game. They used to do that, having a dual meet before that South PHS football game when that game was earlier in the season. They couldn't do that when the football was later in the year. But moving that game to mid-September means you can have that rivalry as part of a full rivalry week. With every varsity sport you've got to offer at those schools, and they're all going to be in action next week. So if you're a Parkersburg sports fan and you're big about the Big Reds and, and the Patriots, next week is going to be your week. Go out and maybe support some of those kids at volleyball. Go out and support some of those kids at soccer or cross country or golf or find something else other than football. But of course, support football too. But find something else other than football and 
and invest in those kids next week if you're a PHS or a South fan. That's going to be a really cool thing to bring back, and I applaud the athletic director of those schools, Chris Way at PHS and Jenny Knoll at Parkersburg South for getting that done and making that happen. I think that's a really cool thing. So by the way, we got South and PHS, a huge rivalry in week four, and we got St. Mary's and Ritchie County, also a huge rivalry in week four. And not only that, but you remember Ritchie County is a team that was denied a chance to play St. Mary's for that Class A title because of the COVID metrics map last year. Ritchie County has had to sit 14 miles out the road and hear all about how St. Mary's has won the championship and St. Mary's is getting their rings and St. Mary's is doing this and doing that. They're going to outwardly say that's not a motivating factor, but that's not true. That's a mo- That's definitely a motivating factor. That is 1,000% a motivating factor if I've ever seen a motivating factor. Ritchie County is going to have a massive, massive target on St. Mary's back and St. Mary's have better played their best game of the season. They're absolute best next week if they want to get that win. They got a bye week. Ritchie County plays this week. So those two teams, Ritchie County could go to 2-0. St. Mary's will be 1-1 going into that matchup. That's going to be a colossal matchup. So that's going to be a large portion of our coverage next week will be those two games. But we'll cover the other schools in the area as well. We always have the best for you, so stay with us for that. Apologies if this episode is a little short. It's a busy, busy, quick week, and uh, we'll get through it. We'll get to next week. My name is Eric Little. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Again, rate us, review us, download us, support us. We thank you for your patronage, and until next week, enjoy the games, everybody. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and vote in our weekly poll. Come back next week for another new episode, and thanks for listening.